Today's episode is brought to you by Pat Live. Did you know 76% of customers hang up if they don't reach a live person? And 85% of those customers won't call back after an unanswered call. Missed calls means missed opportunities to successfully grow your business. Pat Live offers 24-7 live answering services so you can spend less time on the phone and more time focusing on your business. You know, finding your frequency listeners, we've got to focus on those businesses. Unlike many other live answering service, they're open 365 days a year. Their friendly and professional agents are all located in the United States and provide all the benefits of a personal receptionist, but at a fraction of the cost. They offer fully customizable scripts and call handling experiences to fit your business needs and fit seamlessly with your brand. Pat Live is more than just an answering service. They offer everything from message taking, call screening and transfers, to lead collection, appointment scheduling, order processing, and more. And now, for a limited time, Pat Live is offering listeners of this podcast Finding Your Frequency 15% off the regularly listed rates. This is only available over the phone, so make sure you give them a call right now at 866-712-1879. Again, that's 866-712-1879. And mention the Finding Your Frequency podcast for more information or visit patlive.com. 15% off the regularly listed rates. Make every call count with Pat Live. 866-712-1879. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. Still seeing it quite well through that haze. The fight is growing E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation and growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure, and I just want to give a big shout out to everybody listening to the radio show, and thank you guys all for uh, listening to the show and sharing it with your friends. Uh, it really means a lot. For those of you who have uh, given me the most wonderful privilege of having five-star uh, iTunes reviews. I really appreciate that. We try really hard at finding a frequency to bring some very good content to the table that can be used for a multitude of purposes and really help people learn about entrepreneurship, business, life, health and wellness, uh, and everything that's important to people. And we're not going to stray from that at all today. We're going to keep up the pace. We have a great guest for you guys. And today we're going to talk about leadership. What is leadership? What is true leadership? How do you become a leader? What are the secrets to building strong leaders? And what are some of those attributes maybe that a leader would have? Uh, and then, of course, you have a lot of uh, millennials who are, you know, getting into uh, the middle aged component of their life. And and a lot of them are managers and vice presidents and all of those things. And so we'll talk a little bit about uh, how the shift is happening in the workforce. Uh, and then, of course, I hope you guys are uh, all staying safe, staying healthy uh, with this lockdown that's been in place. Uh, this episode is going to be airing uh, in May, so we're hopeful that we can get the economy back up and running here. Uh, but I want to just send a big heartfelt shout out to all the listeners, uh, sending you guys all uh, some, some good vibes. Uh, so stay safe uh, and stay healthy. 
So finding your frequency, we talk about just that, finding your frequency in life, business, all of those types of things. And you know, why do you do what you do? Why, do you, uh, why did you write that book? How did you become a, a successful entrepreneur? And we're gonna, we're gonna stay the course with that today as we talk to our fantastic guest today, Elaine Hunkins who is joining us and he is the author of Cracking the Leadership Code, Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Ryan. It's great to be here with you today. Thanks. You know, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to jump on with our listeners here on Finding Your Frequency. And, you know, I just want to kick this thing straight off and, and ask you our opening question. Elaine, how did you find your frequency in life and in business? And why did you decide to become a leadership mentor? For me, if I look back, you know, and I think many people later in life, you know, when you look back, it seems like there was some kind of a straight line. But while you were taking the journey, there was nothing straight about it. But if I had to say there was a common theme, I have always been passionate about understanding people. I've been fascinated. People are fascinating. Like, why do we do what they do? Why do we behave the way we do? And also, why do we lead the way we do? And so, for me, leadership is not so much about a title or a position. Leadership is really a state of mind and that anyone who has ever tried to influence somebody else to do something is in a leadership role. And that for me started early on. I got fascinated by psychology. And then actually I went on and studied acting. I went to a professional acting school for three years for graduate school where I got to put myself under the microscope and take myself apart and look at my own physical and vocal behavior. And from there moved into teaching in schools, doing leadership training and coaching in schools, and then transitioned from working with kids to working with adults in organizations about 23 years ago. And since then, I've gotten to see up close working and coaching, training leaders all over the world. And what I've noticed is that there are patterns, patterns of behavior of what great leaders do and also what lousy leaders do. And so I was just fascinated and I started taking notes. And about 10 years ago, I started writing those notes into blogs and those blogs became chapters and those chapters ended up becoming this book because what I really wanna do is help people to accelerate their own leadership learning curve. Because the fact is experience is the best teacher, but if you can get a couple shortcuts, it's really helpful. Yeah, it, 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 it truly is. Um... You know, a lot of people think, you know, like, you know, athletes are born, they're not made, uh, you know, and, and I kind of agree and disagree both, right? I think you have to have uh, an athletic pedigree um, as well as a lot of learned behavior to become a professional athlete. These are, uh, you know, skills uh, just like, you know, repeating the same thing over and over again as you practice your, your craft, whether you're a baseball player, a basketball player or whatever that is. But, you know, it takes a combination, a combination of some God-given talents as well as some things that you learn along the way. But leadership is a little bit different. Everything with leadership is based upon what you learn along the way with your interactions with people. Um, so how do you how do you define uh, you know the 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 ascension from a, a standard employee at a company or or some uh, uh, maybe lower level middle section uh, and and that ascension to leadership. Because um, like you said, leadership is not necessarily a title, but it's a role that you play and it's a mindset that you have. And 
I think a lot of times C-level executives have a hard time, you know, deciding or pinpointing, you know, who could be on a trajectory of leadership within their organizations. You bring up an excellent point, Ryan, which is there's a, oftentimes a huge stumbling block in organizations around promoting people into formal leadership roles. What tends to happen is someone's really good at what they do. And they think, oh, like that person's a really good salesman. Let's make them the sales manager. Well, selling to a customer and then leading a sales team, those are very different skill sets. Yeah, there's a little bit of overlap in terms of what you're going to be focused on in the content. But most times people end up jumping into these roles with really little to no training. And so what do they do? They just model and copy the leaders that they've seen. And unfortunately, if you date that back generation by generation, so many leaders are still living out the inherited leadership legacy that comes back from the dawn of the industrial age, which was built for a very different economy where 95% of the workforce was working on an assembly line in a factory doing repetitive, mindless skills. And that's why Henry Ford famously said, why is it every time I want a pair of hands, they come with a brain attached? <laughs> well, that's not the world that we're living in anymore. Right. And so leaders have to understand if you're trying to lead with a mindset that really dates from a playbook from 100 years ago, you're way out of touch. And certainly, you were talking about millennials and certainly Gen Z both who now make up 61% of the workforce, they know that those old ways won't work and they won't stand for it. And now we live in this world where we have such transparency that between LinkedIn and Glassdoor and things like that, people know where the grass is greener and people are not afraid to hop the fence to go there if, if they can. Yeah, no, you're 100%. You have uh, so many review sites out there for companies that, you know, it's very easy to, to look up some stuff. You know what? You know what? You know what just ticks me off a little bit, though, especially with Yelp is people can put reviews on Yelp and not even do business with the company that they're giving a review about. Yeah. And that in which case, how do you know? I mean, this is the whole issue of yeah. any of these kind of reviewer sites and really true. I mean, this is true internally in organizations with 360 feedback is if there's a system, people figure out ways to game it. And yep. this is just one of the challenges with this is how do you know what's legit and what's not? And this is one of the challenges that we have. You know, we have great access with information technology, but it can always be used in slightly sinister ways. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, um, reading through some of your press material, uh, you have some information in there that kind of struck me about you know, old school leaders versus new school leaders uh, and, and an, or, or old school leaders in a new school kind of world. And, you know, I just want to share a story. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a father um, of a six-year-old daughter, right? Um, I'm former military. My father was former military, right? So mm -hmm. I, I grew up in a household with the old school mentality. Um mm -hmm. I myself am, even though on the tail uh, or on the on the beginning cusp of millennial, I don't really associate myself with the millennials as much as I probably more associate with you know Gen Xers um, in that space. And I've had to really learn over time that some of my father's old school ways of you know you do this or else. Raw, right, you know, that that type of mentality just doesn't work today. And I've had to reassess my own ability to communicate with my daughter in a mechanism that 
she can receive and understand because um, those things are different. And I noticed the same thing uh, as I'm also in a leadership role in the in, in the Voice America business uh, here at the at the talk radio station. Um, and a long time ago, I had to make a decision on, you know, what how I how am I going to lead? And so I've always chosen to, number one, lead by example and don't ever expect somebody to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Um, but then I think number two is, you know, letting your people know that as a leader that your one of your primary roles is to help them. You know, it's not an ego driven thing. It's a how can I help you to accomplish your job, ultimately getting to the company, completing its goals? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the importance of leaders helping that person. And I, I love the fact that you also recognize that, you know, particularly with your with your daughter, is just realizing that that old school model doesn't work. Because the old school model, whether it's at home or at work, is really based on power play, right? Why do I do this? Because I'm your boss, that's why. Because I'm your daddy, that's why. And I just wanna share an example of where I learned a great lesson about that as a father, actually. So I have a son who's now 16, but I remember there was a time, he was probably about three or four, and you know when your kids are that age, and you're, one of the hardest things is trying to get them out of the house to get somewhere, whether it's school or stuff, because <laughs> they're moving they're moving at the speed of a three-year-old. You know, they can't move much faster, and they're putting on their, I remember it was a rainy day, he's trying to put on his boots, and you know, I'm a six foot three guy, I've got a big voice, and I just yep. found myself, I was like, Alexander, come on, we gotta go, and you know, and he turned to me, and he just broke down in this puddle of shame and tears, like, and that's the last thing I wanted to do, and I felt terrible, and then, you know, finally got him to where we were, and I remember debriefing with my wife later on about this whole thing, telling her how terrible I felt about all of it, and she said, you know, I hear that, and she said, so what were you doing 20 minutes earlier to set Alex up for success so he can get out in time? And that kind of rocked my world, right? It was like really good, honest feedback because realizing he was behaving exactly the way a three-year-old ought to behave. What I didn't do was create the environment, which in this case means putting in lots of extra buffer time because it's going to take that much time and helping and coaching along the way. Yeah. Which to me is exactly what you're saying about leaders role is to help their people. You know, my job wasn't to command him to get in the car and get his boots on. My job was to help him succeed. And that's a big flip for a lot of people, especially if we've internalized that sense of power, because there's a part of that power that when we're in that role of power, is intoxicating, right? Because we, we know we can wield it. And that particularly in a job where people's paychecks and their mortgages are on the line, people might put up with some less than ideal behavior. So that's something for us to rethink. And so the subtitle of the book, The Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders is really gets into the how. How do we go about creating these relationships that are built on support as opposed to control. Right. And those three those three secrets are around connection, communication, and collaboration. Yeah, and I, I really like the story that you told because this is the, that's kind of the same I guess realization that I have. You know, I I I I grew up in a military family, you know, we we yeah. you know, my dad used to yell at me all the time, you know, and it wasn't a big deal because that's just the way that it was. It, it wasn't something that you know, really caused me a bunch of stress, but it's completely the opposite for my daughter. You know, if, um, and, and I'm, I'm the same as you, I'm six foot two, I'm 230 yeah. pounds. I got a big yeah. voice. 
uh, you know, even me just talking normally, my, my daughter will say, dad, why are you yelling? And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And, and, and I've had to go, okay, plug your ears and, and say, and, and say, Hey, this is yelling. This is me talking normally. I'm sorry that I have a voice that kind of sounds like that. Um, but I've learned yeah. that all I need to do is just talk, right? There's no sense in having, you know, a, a volume uptick because it does exactly that for her and always has. If I yell or get a little loud uh, in a scenario where, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get my point across, you know, uh, schoolwork is a perfect example, especially right now, yeah. right? I work from home on Mondays, but I come to the studio Tuesday through Friday because we still have our operation running here in Phoenix. And so Mondays I'm home and my daughter has karate and, and all these things and all these activities that she's doing by Zoom, you know, well, trying to keep her busy and all those things. But, you know, she wasn't doing her schoolwork and she wasn't focusing. And, you know, and I finally just came to the conclusion. I'm like, Marley, you need to sit down. You need to do this, do this work, because if you don't do this work, then you're not going to be able to do anything else today. This thing comes first. You know, and I found I found myself getting slightly louder with my uh, with my my request, um, you know, yeah. because, you know, as a father, there are some things schoolwork is one of them that there are no if ands or buts don't argue with me. You know, you've got to go to school. You've got to read books. You've got to learn stuff. You know, those are some some things where there is just no no questioning that in my mind. But at the same time. I don't want my child to grow up as some subservient robot, right? Um, and, and teaching her the ability to, you know, think on her own requires me to be quiet for a few minutes and allow her the opportunity to communicate uh, and, and, and then kind of just feel that. And I think that's from a leadership standpoint, when you take that type of scenario with a business, that's a lot of the important features of a leader too, is being able to sit back, be quiet and listen sometimes. And so I often think about some stuff that my mom used to tell me that, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. So we'd listen more than we talk. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. As you're saying that, I think you've hit the nail on the head here, Ryan, which is, you know, the fact is being directive saves time in the short term, right? It's like, do this, do that, right? And they may comply at a certain point, but as you will find out soon enough when your kid becomes a teenager, there'll come a point where they'll rebel. If, you know, if, if all we do is push on people, eventually they'll push back. And I think your point well taken in the business world is, you know, instead of thinking that we as leaders have to be the know-it-alls and the advice givers and pushing that on people, is that we're much better off, in fact, creating some space and asking questions. So, for example, with your daughter, so what will it take for you to get your homework done? How can we set up the afternoon for you to do your homework and let her come up with her own solutions? And obviously, if she's way off course, then you can offer your t teachable, coachable advice. <laughs> but before that, giving her that space, and the same is true at work, is that how do we create that? Because when people create their own solutions, they take pride in the ownership of that. Whereas if I just tell people what to do, like, oh, well, that's his idea, whatever. And so I think a lot of leaders fall into the danger of trying to add too much value because, you know, we might be smart and, and, and skilled in what we're talking about. But while we're giving all this stuff, what we're not really getting is people's own commitment. And so it is a flip from pushing to pulling, it's from telling to asking, right? So from commanding to being more facilitative and drawing people out. And that's a huge shift for a lot of people who are used to that old school style of leadership. It's, and you know, for me at work, it's not as difficult um, 
from my old school upbringing uh, versus at home. At home, it's really hard for me. You know, Elaine, like I'm telling you, some I have some days where I can just be the most calm, cool, collected guy, right? And then, you know, throw on some COVID-19 and a little stress and a little unknown and a little this and a little that. And, you know, the next thing you know, I'm... I'm, I'm communicating differently. I don't have those same issues at work, but I definitely do as a father. And I think, uh, that's probably why being a father or a parent is like the hardest job you're ever going to have. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, no, completely. And it's interesting. You know, this, the science behind all that too, is also when you step into your perfect, we talk about people playing roles. When you step mm-hmm. into that professional role, you have a job and you also know where there's certain boundaries, whereas Many of us, you know, grew up like you described your family, your dad, like you grew up with the boundaries were a bit more expansive than they might have been. I had, I grew up in a similar situation where the boundaries weren't as well enforced. And so it's much easier to default to those more expansive boundaryless behavior patterns because we're used to them in those situations. Like I know that my wife says to me sometimes when we're communicating and she says, wait, you teach professional communication workshops. Can't you do that same stuff at home with us? <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to do it 24 seven. Like if I yeah. know I'm doing it for an eight hour day or an eight hour training, leadership training session, I, it's contained and it's much more scripted in some ways. At home, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to do that, to be honest. Yeah, and and I agree because I think when you're at home, you you're getting things coming at you in real time that sometimes you haven't dealt with before. In in yeah. the work in the workplace, you know, I've been in radio for almost 25 years and here at Voice America for 16 years. I wow. I, I know what's going to happen. I know the questions that the customers have. I know the questions and you know issues that the internal employees have because I've you know, worked here long enough and, and been in the position long enough where you kind of start to go, okay, well, yeah, these, these are the things that happen. These are the things that come up and, you know, like clockwork, when you hire a new employee, you know, the same questions are always asked. It's always the, you know, Hey, am I doing a good job? How can I make more money? How can I move up into the company? And, you know, all of those things are kind of, like you said, in your professional world, they're kind of scripted and you know what's going on, but at home, oh man, stuff just comes at me from left field. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think part of the growth and and the goal of leadership development is how do we learn to kind of be more grounded in ourselves so that when those things do fly at us, that we're more resilient and able to adapt and and deal with them more skillfully. And it's a journey, right? I'm sure that even, you know, we can beat ourselves up about not doing it as well at home, but you've probably come a long way in the last six years, as I know I have certainly come. So it it is a journey. If, If you're willing to commit to reflecting on your own behavior and, and taking those, yeah. those hard, honest pieces of feedback, you can grow and change. And that, that's the beauty of the process. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's something that's that's important for people to understand is when you're trying to make um, some personal development changes in, you know, any aspect of your life, it's not something that just changes overnight. I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, it's your relationship with yourself, just like my relationship with my wife. My, that that takes work. It's not just like, oh, we fell in love and everything's happy and, you know, happily ever after and, you know, roses and and and, and rainbows and, you know, just, you know, a bank account full of money and everything's just wonderful like you see on TV that stuff just doesn't work you know yeah. all that stuff takes effort and I think it takes the same effort um, for your own relationship with yourself as well 
And I want to, I want to, oh. I want people to know too. Like if you, if you're, if you're making some of these changes, like I am, I'm, I'm still working on me. I still find times where, you know, I'm, I'm being a, a little bit more, uh, you know, commanding versus collaborative in some certain spaces. And I'm trying to recognize that. And I'm trying to be better at that because my daughter deserves that as a daughter. And I deserve that for myself. And I think if you're, if you're not growing, you're dying, you know, you've got to be always yeah. making uh, steps and strides to go the other direction. I think that works in, in leadership. Like you're not going to get it right all the time, but as long as you are making a concerted effort to internalize the things that you're communicating and then, you know, like, uh, I like to use the term like an after action report, right? A debrief, yeah. you know, and, and you say to yourself, wait a minute after this scenario just happened. Okay. This happened. That happened. I said this, I did this. Um, could I have done that better? Could I have been, um, you know, more contained? Could I have been more collaborative, you know, and really asking yourself those tough questions so you can get yourself in a space to be able to make a difference. Completely, completely. And I think one of the challenges of course is, are you willing to ask those tougher questions? Because I think one of the best leadership lessons I learned early on, I've had a couple of mentors who shared this with me, is the ability to separate yourself from the work, right? So there's you, the person, and hopefully you know you can appreciate yourself unconditionally. But the fact is, in my behavior, I'm not perfect. So can I reflect on that with a certain level of kind of third party objectivity and go, yeah, you know, I could have done that better. You know, I didn't follow up there. I didn't call them back. I didn't address them by name, right? So there's so many things that we can do. And, and you touched on something, Ryan, which I think is so undervalued, but so important when it comes to becoming a better and stronger leader, which is the sense of consistency. It's the willingness to do the very unsexy work of practicing the same fundamentals. And so, for example, one of the biggest things that's important for leaders is to become credible, right? And so, in the book, I talk about a few different ways you can do that. The simplest and most basic of which is show up on time, right? That's a very practicable skill that you can develop and just make it a priority. If it becomes important, you'll do it. Yeah. And the fact is, showing up on time is the easiest thing in the world for us to measure. When you're here, it sends a very clear message. And when you're late, it sends a very clear message. And so what do you want the message to be? What do you want people to think about you? For me as a coach and a consultant, I pride myself that people should be able to set their watch to me. Because if I'm supposed to be teaching people about leadership behaviors, I know that the most important thing I can do is model them. So the key with all of these, and, and don't pick 10 at once, but pick one like I'm gonna show up on time and then practice that and make it consistent. And eventually it will become a habit. And then you can move on to the next one. And I won't say it'll take 21 days. I mean, that's a whole load of rubbish that came out of some strange study about <laughs> plastic surgery. We don't know how long habits take. Sometimes they're short, sometimes it can be long, but keep working at them until they become automatic, whatever those might be. Elaine, it's important to you. I chewed my fingernails for 38 years of my life, right? Yeah. And now I, I am I am like so happy and proud of myself that I'm now like six months or eight months and I haven't done that, right? Like it took it took me that long to make an adjustment. So the whole twenty one day thing is out the window. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, good for you. But Congratulations. How, but how awesome is it as a sense of accomplishment when, you know, let's say you know, you take the idea of being on time and I, I tell my team this all the time, you know. 80% of success is just being here when you're supposed to be here so we can do what we need to do. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. It is the most. So I know it sounds so easy, thing. but. 
No, it is. But, you know, and it's amazing because I work with, you know, high level executive and stuff. And it's amazing how often and we've all had this, you know, like, oh, you don't understand. Uh, they'll say, oh, I had a really important client meeting that ran long or I, you know, the traffic from the air. You know, we all have a story. But if it's that important, you know, and I get it. Like, I'm not saying be, you're going to be perfect all the time. But if your general mode of operation is you're late most of the time, that's really clear what, yeah. what you're saying to people, which is you're not that important to me. That other things are more important. Yeah, and, and I think as know, a leader, we have to not only respect, we have to respect the other people's time too. You know, um, I would, I would, I would, oh man, I would, I would die if um, I, I asked an employee to, you know, hey, we're going to, we got a special project we're going to do. Uh, you know, you and I are going to work on it together. Uh, let's meet at the office at blank time and day, right? And, yep. and I, I, I will guarantee you, I will always be there before the other person, just so that the simple fact that, um, that's a leadership role that I have to deploy at that time. That's something that I need to be there for. And, you know, being late for something like that is just, Oh, it's some of that's unexcusable other than last week on, on Tuesday, I got a car accident and totaled and totaled my truck. Right. Ooh. I was, I was, yeah. on, I was on track to be at the studio about a half an hour earlier than I normally am. Um, but unfortunately I was literally physically stopped from being able to do so. And yeah. I even hated to do that. I had to make a phone call to a customer. Uh, I had a training that day, a training session with them. And I had to make a phone call to them right there on the side of the road with my truck all banged up. And I had to go, Look, let me tell you what scenario is. Got in a car accident. I, um, you know, can't get to the studio in time to do the training. Or, you know, are you okay with doing that? But so there are some things that are out of your control. But I think it's sometimes, you know, how do you manage those things that are outside of your control that really set the tone for your ability to be perceived or to be a true leader? Yeah, and I think again, you had the presence of mind to be as conscientious to to phone that customer and say, "Hey, this is what's going on right away." Right? That's the first thought you had, right? So it's 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 that sense of conscientiousness, and that's so important because you know, as leaders, we are under the microscope, and in a good way. And you know, it's just it's it is what it is. And the fact is, and particularly when you're in crisis mode like we are right now, you're even under the microscope even more. So we have to recognize that everything that we do and say sends a message as well as everything that we don't do and don't say sends a message so a really great story i heard from a client of mine i was working with a group of flight attendants in chicago at a customer service training and one of the flight attendants had flown into chicago from germany for the training and she was working the flight she was actually the main flight attendant in the first class cabin so that's not the business class but the premium premium customers so she's got her her job all set and then who comes in and sits in first class, but actually one of the most senior executives for the airline itself. So we're going down the toilet because this executive sits in his seat and just opens up his laptop, doesn't even say hello to me, doesn't go around and introduce himself to the other first class passengers, which they ask us to do, thanking them for their business and their loyalty, sits there the whole flight, gets off the plane and never even says thank you or makes eye contact with me. And they wonder why this place is going down the tubes. So what that executive was going through, we don't know. We don't know if he was having a bad day, if he was sick, if he had a big project he had to work on, we don't know. But his behavior sent a very clear message, which is, I don't care about you. And that's what that flight attendant took away. So I think we have to realize that even when we don't think we're being watched, we are. And that's a huge lesson that is really useful at any aspect of our lives. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. Uh, if people don't see you, 
even if they're not in in an in interaction with you, you know, um, you know, maybe a leadership, a person in a leadership role dealing with another employee, other employees watch how you deal with other people. And, you know, they have preconceived notions, whether they know what happened during that or not. They're looking at your body language, your posture, your volume, you know, all of those types of things are being uh, reviewed uh, at all, at any one given time, all the time when you're having, uh, you know, relationships with other people in the workplace. And I think it's important that, you know, uh, sometimes you have to, you know, set the emotion down and, and, and really, and really lead with logic and reason. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that executive probably could have, you know, at least said hello or done something to show that he was appreciative of the fact that, you know, he was on this flight and there were these people there to assist him and his needs. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people don't realize, uh, what they're doing until sometimes it's too late. Yeah, no, completely. And I think what you're touching on about just saying hello comes down to, to me, it's like the basis of leadership, which is about connection. Because I don't care what business you're in, what industry, what expertise you have, we're all in the people business, right? So yeah, you could say you're in radio and broadcasting, but you're dealing with people, as am I, as we, we, as we all are. And if we think about at its core, what is leadership? It's a relationship between the person who leads and a person who chooses to follow. And the quality of that relationship is based on the quality of the connection between those two people. So if you wanna amp up the connection, to improve and strengthen the connection, best place to start is by showing some empathy. And for me, I know that word can sound kind of soft and touchy and feely, but the fact is what it basically means is showing people that you understand them and that you care how they feel. You know, I think it was Theodore Roosevelt that said it so famously, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's true, it's true for all of us. And it's especially true right now when we're all going through this crazy pandemic as we're dealing with. So, you know, how we show up human to human is exceptionally important because that's where everything else builds off of. If I don't feel safe or trusted, you're not gonna get my best work, there's just no way. Actually, scientifically, our brains are not capable of performing at our best unless we're actually feeling at our best. So there's huge, wonderful studies that have shown the relationship between emotions and high performance. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really that's a really big point. I mean, emotional intelligence is, you know, a pretty central ingredient for for those for those leaders. You have to be able to, you know, deal with your own emotions, but then also have the wherewithal and understanding and care for the other person and what their emotional status is. Uh, and I, I, I've been in so many scenarios and I'm sure that this is something that you can attest to, to, I think part of being a leader also requires that, you know, that intelligence that you have or that logic that you're using doesn't always work, um, the same way with different people, right? There's, uh, different people have different emotional reactions to certain things. And you sometimes have to be a chameleon, some, uh, uh, so to speak. Uh, so that way you can direct your communication to a given person. I like to always go back to, uh, you know, like, what is your, what is your personality code, right? Are you a, are you, are you an action taker? Are you one of the, you know, a blueprint person? You got to have everything mapped out. Or are you a, always like a knowledge person seeking for knowledge or are you a nurturer, you know? And so, being able to kind of categorize people in those spaces also helps you to identify, uh, you know, what are the best ways and methodologies of communicating with them so you can provide good leadership. 
Yeah, exactly. Because the fact is what you're touching on here is that, yeah, there's a science to all these behaviors, but then the chameleon aspect, that's the art of leadership. And how do you shape shift for each person individually? You know, I, I write about in, in the section on collaboration is that what leaders need to understand is that all humans in the workplace have certain needs that need to be addressed. Uh, the need for safety. We all need to feel safe. We all want energy. We want to be in an energized work environment. We all have a need to know that what we do matters, so a need for purpose. And we all have a need to be able to take ownership so we have some freedom and autonomy within our work. Now, while we all have those needs, we all don't have those needs in equal proportions and in different ways. And some things that might suit your need for energy might not get someone else's need for energy. So this is where the art of leadership comes into play. And part of it is instead of being this like all seeing, I got to know all this stuff is actually a really good thing to do is develop really strong, open working relationships and ask your people what works for them, right? Go figure. Isn't that so much easier than trying to guess? So, you know, <laughs> that's so, and that's where communication comes into the, into the mix. So that we have to kind of bridge the gap between connection and collaboration with using really effective communication. Are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer? Well, Spa Treat has you covered. There's no need to go searching high and low. Just visit spatreatofficial.com and place your order on their easy to use website. On schedule delivery. One of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four scents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and enter promo code SPASPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. SpaTree and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now. Peace of mind. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and order yours today. That's SpaTreatOfficial.com and make sure you use the promo code SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. SpaTreatOfficial.com. Get your awesome hand sanitizer. You know, oftentimes companies will have a protocol, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You got a handbook and in the handbook, the protocol says if X happens, you do, you know, you do Y uh, or you do ABC, right? Uh, one, one incident equals these you know, number of steps uh, to mitigate that or to complete a project or whatever it is. And, yeah, you know, I stopped writing those. I just, I just like, this is, I'm done doing this. I'm on, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with each person on an individual basis because for me, I just care about the end result. 
right? For me, it's like, yeah. you know, we do radio. So the end result is, are the radio shows uh, high quality? Um, you know, are the editing, is the editing done correctly? You know, uh, you know, when, when, when all said and done at the end of the day, when we publish a piece of content, does it fit the standards that we have? How you get to that portion in the middle is different for every one of our audio engineers. They all have a different workflow that they use. Some like one side of software, some likes a different set of software, but ultimately we wanna to get to the end result. And it's our job as leadership to provide those people with the tools and the communication to be able to be empowered to go do that on their own because you're 100% correct and I've watched this 100 times. Giving somebody their own power to accomplish a given task or a project in the manner that they see fit gives them a sense of ownership and there is a huge difference between the quality of work that gets done in those circumstances than if you make everyone adhere to the same protocol constantly. I love what you're saying about that Ryan because what you're really focused on is that it's a, it's a, it becomes a results oriented work environment. And so you're focusing on the ends as opposed to the means. In fact, you remind me of a funny story around that because yeah, we can process, we can process everything to the point of ridiculousness. And, <laughs> and I get the idea. We're trying to create some consistency of experience for our customers potentially. So funny story. So I'm, I'm working down at one of the Disney properties I was doing at a conference and I was on one of the Disney hotels. And obviously the person at the front desk was given a protocol, a script on how to answer the phone. So I had a call downstairs because the iron in my room wasn't working. And so the woman at the front desk had obviously been given a call script on how to answer the phone. And literally this is what she said. And this is the tone she said, she said, welcome to the magic kingdom it's a wonderful magical day how can i help you <laughs> is that and so clearly like it, it just flew it was completely opposite to what was going on you know as opposed to you know you talk about not giving people policy manuals you know nordstrom's right the big retail department store mm -hmm. so nordstrom has an has an employee handbook and in it they only have one rule which is use good judgment in all situations <laughs> I which love is it. You know, that's it, right? That's what we're talking about here is the idea is that you're human. You know what people want. Figure it out. That's And the fact is, using good judgment in all situations can never be outsourced or put on AI or put into an <laughs> algorithm, right? That is the essence of human-to-human -human contact. And if 100%. you can remember that, that is going to impact your ability to grow and develop. No, I I love that. I mean, we 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 have a, a an in-house you know manual that's like you know don't wear these clothes to work you know professional environment. But other than that, I mean, and there's a closet ours too that says use your better in in case of question use your better judgment. I think that's uh, true for most any people is just using your better judgment. Uh, and I love I love what you said. You can't there's no there's no AI, no protocol, no outsourcing that can that can take the place of using proper judgment. I mean, um, in, in, in so many conflict resolutions, you know, I don't know how many times I've said to somebody, well, this is the scenario. What would you do? What, what, what judgment call would you make rather than giving them the answer and saying, Hey, just go do this. You know, it's always like, well, what do you think we should do here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. Treating people like adults and obviously underneath that, when we treat people like adults, we've had it already put the deposits in the emotional bank account that people already feel trusted, respected, 
and valued. Because if they don't have that, then they will revert to, well, I'm going to wait till they tell me what to do. I mean, it's amazing how many adults who are really good at managing their own lives at home outside of work show up to work and then suddenly they resort to being in the second grade. Well, I'm not going to do that because they didn't invite me to the meeting or they didn't send me the email. So why should I? Because we get into those weird parent-child dynamics. And so like what you're saying before, Ryan, is that the ability to ask questions and have people to step into their own solutions is so much more both effective and empowering. So it's, it's a win-win overall. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the customer and employee experience, you know, uh, especially in any kind of service-based industry, you know, you're a CPA, you're a lawyer, you know, you work at the grocery store, right? Those are all, you know, service components, but where does the customer employee experience um, and leadership meet together to make sure that that collaborative uh, uh, component works in the same manner so both parties feel uh, that they've been heard out and projects get completed for those customers? Sure. I think we should probably start by defining what is an experience, right? An experience is a sequence of touch points. Now, that can be an employee experience or it can be a customer experience, but the customer experience isn't just buying your product or service, right? It's every single interaction they have with you, which is including things like navigating your website, you know, the actual delivery of your product or service, how you treat them, follow up post sale. That's all part of it, right? Your branding, everything. Same thing with our employee experience. The idea is that every single time an employee shows up to work, whether in person or virtually, they're having an experience. And based on those touch points, we form our impressions of what it's like to work here. So I think as leaders, are we being intentional and conscious about all those different touch points, both for our employees, and then what they will in turn do is that will ripple down to their interactions with our customers, such as why it's so important for leaders to be really mindful of what is the experience I'm trying to create and how can I create a better experience for my, first of all, for my employees, and then how can they create better experiences for their customers? Because it's really hard to put on a happy face and be a great customer service or customer ambassador to your your customer if you're not feeling it yourself, right? Because we all smell that out when people are faking it, or at best, if they're faking it. Sometimes I'll just complain in front of our faces. I'm sure you've seen that happen too. So that's where the experience boils out. And so we have to start to break down those experiences into their touch points and thinking, what am I doing in each one of those touch points? I'll give you an example. I mean, classic one is the first day on the job, right? It's one day in someone's life cycle as a career, as an employee, but it counts for so much more because how people are being treated and who they're exposed to and what it's like. I mean, I, I wrote about this in the book, I tell this story about this employee he just had this, this day from hell, literally where the, the boss didn't show up and he was waiting in the lobby for hours and then had to wait around for two hours in, a, in an empty room for someone from IT to show up who still couldn't get him a system. I mean, he ended up quitting within the week. So realizing every single moment is an opportunity to make a really positive impression 
or a negative impression. So yeah. what are you doing with those experiences? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And something that, you know, we, we try very hard to do with new employees here is, you know, we'll have our, we'll have our graphics person, make them a welcome sign that goes into their space where they're going to be working and, you know, um, try to make sure, uh, you know, that when they, when they come in, I, I'll ask them, you know, especially with our, our executives and our executive producers, like, are you a Mac person or a PC person? Cause they'll sit down in their cube and they're like, I don't even have a computer. That's like, yeah, because I didn't know if you wanted a Mac or a PC, but now that it's your first day here, you're going to have three days of training. I'm going to go buy you a computer while you're doing that. But I wanted to make sure that I got your preference, whether you wanted a Mac or a PC. And just that small touch right there with new people really makes them feel like, oh, well, they're not a, there's not a computer here for me right now because they wanted to wait to ask me what was my preference. And, to, and, if, and if you know, a lot of companies don't give you a preference of what type of machine you want to work on, right? And I think that, you know, having that little bit of power on a first day is a it's a difference maker for setting the tone i mean you're absolutely right that those interactions really build up and ultimately set the foundation for what that uh, relationship is going to look like between the uh between the employee the manager and the company oh completely completely right because think about it we all start off every new experience it's the honeymoon phase right and we're all high hopes like opening day every every baseball season right oh this is the year so first day on the job, it's like, this is the honeymoon, it's opening day. And then, you know, are we gonna basically, like you do with the PC or Mac, are we gonna delight people and surprise them with wonder? Or are we gonna just disappoint them and go, oh gosh, did I make the right decision? <laughs> so yeah, it all it all connects. Yeah, every everything everything does. Uh, let's talk about meetings for a second here in the last portion of the of the radio show. Um, sure. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Elon Musk, right? I really love technology and space. So he's like, does both of those things with his cars and then SpaceX and all that. But I was reading an article in Forbes and one of the things that he had mentioned uh, about meetings was if you have nothing to contribute in a meeting, why are you there? You know, so how can employees and managers simplify their meetings? Because as you and I know, meetings don't, they're some sometimes very unproductive. <laughs> sometimes you're being you're being generously nice. Sometimes, oftentimes, they are very unproductive. Yeah, the the statistics on this are horrible. Actually, yeah, most of us suffer from too many horrible, horrible meetings. So, some things to simplify. The first one, I think, what you're t alluding to with Musk is first of all, you know, let's get rid of this idea that everyone needs to be involved with everything. You know it's okay. You know, it's like, yeah, I know we want to be inclusive as a company, but that doesn't mean we want to be inclusive in stupid ways. I mean, if something doesn't pertain to someone, take them off the invite list. And also the other thing is let's get really clear on what's the why behind the meetings. Cause there are different types of meetings, you know? And so for example, are we gathering input from people? Are we sharing out information? Are we looking to brainstorm new ideas? Are we looking to make a decision? These are all very different types of meetings. And so often all those different elements get lumped into one large, okay, we're going to have a two hour staff meeting and we try to do all these things. And, you know, people are, some people don't know what the point is. So we have to get really clear as leaders and facilitative, you know, giving them a clear agenda and giving that in advance. And so if I don't get a meeting agenda in advance, I think it's my right to decline. Sorry, until I have an agenda and I know clients that I've worked with and colleagues that that's the rules they've created and it's amazing how that forces everyone to raise their game so something as simple as let's make sure we have an agenda 
and make sure we have the right people in the room. That in and of itself would clean up a lot of the mess that's going on. Um, the next thing around a way to simplify meetings as well is just have, as we we're kind of alluding to, is if you're just going to make a decision, that's the meeting and then let it be over, right? So this whole idea of having this weekly status meeting where everyone reports on everything, I'm sure you've seen the ribbons that say, you know, I survived another meeting that should have been an email. Like, does this really need a meeting? Do we really need to discuss this? So that's something else that we can do. So just trying to strip things down and streamline them. And also realizing that sometimes if you're the leader of a team and you're having meetings, it may not be smart for you to facilitate because you might have too much investment in the topic. So start assigning roles. Let's have a facilitator to keep us on track. Let's have a timekeeper. Let's have a scribe. Another key thing to make our meetings more effective as well is making sure that we build in buffer at the end to recap all of the action items coming out of this. I cannot tell you how many meetings I've seen <laughs> where people discuss lots of great ideas and then the meeting's over. It's like, okay, everyone knows what they're doing, right? Right. So, of course, the meeting's over and then we have what we call those meetings after the meetings. We're like, what did, what did Ryan say he's doing? Because I didn't catch, right? So we want to make sure we, we capture all that as well. So those are just some simple tools that you can go into to make your meetings streamlined and more effective. So Elaine, let's let's do this. I'm going to give you an example of how I would have a meeting uh, with my team, and you tell me, um, you know, what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, right? Um, I, I I manage multiple departments. Okay, so mm -hmm. when I manage multiple departments, I do have a standing meeting with the the people who lead those departments once a week, right? Um, I, I I work with our graphics team, customer service, and our engineering department. Those are three operation components that I manage, uh, and so there's three people in my meetings, the graphics person, uh, the customer service person and the engineering head. Right. And so we have discussions on, okay, here, here are the things we, I have a list of stuff that I've put together over the years, um, that are, are touch points. And it's like, okay, Hey, customer service, what's going on in your world. Right. And I allow, allow them to kind of just tell me what's going on. And then I have my list of things that I would like to know as a leader, um, as a manager to make sure things are getting done appropriately. But it's like, Okay, customer service, how are things going? Yep, okay, they're great, they're not great. Here's some, and I'll ask a question. So can you, uh, what was a challenge that you dealt with last week um, that you were able to easily overcome? And then is there any challenges that you have that you weren't able to overcome by yourself? Right. And the question is the same for almost every person, because regardless of you know what they're doing, every person has a challenge that they overcame. And then everybody may have a challenge that they struggled with and might need some guidance on. And so really focusing on, you know, those, those aspects. And then at the very end, I have an open discussion with the team where that's exactly what we talk about. We talk about what are the action items that comes out of it, right? Um, you know, that uh, person A is going to do A, B, and C, person B is going to do A, B, and C, and person C is going to do A, B, and C, and person four, me, leader person, um, what am I going to do to facilitate those being able to be completed? Done. And we do it in less than an hour every week. That sounds terrific. A lot of things you're doing well there, sounds like. So can I give you some feedback on that? What I hear yes. is pluses and potential opportunities for improvement? Absolutely. Okay, so first of all, I love the fact that your meetings are four people. I mean, sometimes, you know, really optimal size, no more than eight to nine people. Tops, because, you know, 20 people, it's just, it's too unwieldy. So dividing into subgroups. So you, first of all, you're doing that great. Um, the next thing, too, is it sounds like you've created some trust amongst your team, whereas you can ask them these questions of what's working well, what, what are some challenges where people are giving you some honest dialogue, right? And they feel comfortable sharing that with each other. 
Um, I also want to just do a probing question within that is, so Ryan, within that, when people are sharing like customer service, they're sharing what's going on, do you find that what they share is applicable to your other two department heads? Yes, because they're also dealing with the same customers in some way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah. So that's another thing is the fact is they can have this kind of honest, candid stuff because I can imagine what ends up happening in that dialogue is that there there's things that overlap and bleed into each other. So you're able to do that well as well. And I love the fact that you're also doing those action items toward the end. Another question for you, I don't know if you're doing this now, but when you start these meetings, do you as, because this ends up becoming your kind of leadership team of these four people, do you have a kind of, we'll call it a rallying cry or a single unified purpose of like, as to know, do they know what the kind of bigger picture mission of how each of the three and then with you, the four, all four of you contribute to the one larger goal? Do you overtly state that to them at the start of the meetings? Um, I don't think I overtly probably stayed at every meeting, um, but there are some times where, you know, I will talk about, uh, you know, how customer service interacts and the importance of that and the trickle down effect of customer service um, to the graphics department, uh, right? Because graphics department yeah. takes inbound requests or uh, uh, yeah. customer service takes inbound requests that are then fulfilled by the graphics department. And so in some yeah. cases they're, they're working with the same person. So um, yeah, yeah overtly and, and furthermore, um, so the answer is most of the time I could probably do it better. <laughs> yeah. And so what you bring up a good point, which is what happens in work is we get into the weeds, right? We get into the details of what we're working on and we're really good at problem solving and analysis. But what leaders could be better at is synthesis. It's like stepping back and showing people how all the different parts connect. Because at the end of the day, whether you're in graphics or you're in customer service or operations, we're all in one, we're all together. And that ultimately, how do we see how all the different parts intersect and reminding people of that on a regular basis, much in the same way as you couldn't get away with telling your wife, I said, I love you on the wedding day. I hope you remember. <laughs> like we have to, we have to remind people on a regular basis of what our big picture mission is. And even if it's once a week, you know, seven days has gone by. So that way people can see and align the different functional areas because ultimately the functions aren't nearly as important as the overall team. They're all supporting characters to the larger whole, which is the operation of the entire station. Well said, well said. I love it. Elaine Hunkins, thank you so much for joining us. And I want to remind everybody to please go pick up the book, Cracking the Leadership Code, uh, Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon. Everything's on Amazon, right, nowadays? I mean, everything every, is everything. there. And if, except, and for if hand, look, except for hand sanitizer and Lysol. <laughs> that's exactly. Yeah. So you can find it there. And certainly if you want to learn more about it, you can go to its own website, which is www.crackingtheleadershipcode.com. And while you're there, you can actually download the first chapter and check it out. Wonderful, wonderful. Again, thank you so much for joining us on Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. You guys, make sure you like and share this. Give us five stars because five stars is way better than four. And I think Elaine and myself, we deserve it. I think this was a great show. Again, thank you for joining us on the episode. Guys, make sure you go check out the website, findingyourfrequency.net. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Radio Ryan One at Voice America TRN. And you can also go find us on Facebook at Finding Your Frequency Net, which is the page for the show. Make sure you follow us there. Great information, blog articles about leadership and business, entrepreneurship, and some cool books that we're all reading also there for you guys to take a look at. Thanks again for joining us right here on Finding Your Frequency on the Voice America Talk Radio Network.